The Tzayel Ahmad section of the Haggadah is arguably the heart and soul of the mitzvah of Sipur Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. This section, which selects four psukim from Parshas Kisavo, the section of Kisavo, known as Arami Oveiravi, selects a section which a person would typically recite, four psukim which a person would recite upon entering the Beis HaMikdash which, with his first fruits, the Bikurim, reminding himself of an experience of Yitzhak Mitzrayim, which he never witnessed necessarily. The only people to bring Bikurim were people who lived in Israel. Those who lived in Israel didn't witness the exodus from Mitzrayim. So this is in part why those four psukim amongst all the psukim in the Torah which describe Yitzhak Mitzrayim, the psukim of Kisavo are cited because those are psukim recited by an individual who never actually left Egypt but was trying to imagine and relive events from Jewish history, which is, of course, our collective responsibility on the night of Pesach, to imagine and dramatize events which we read about but didn't experience firsthand. So it's the Psukim and Kisava, which describe Yitzhak Mitzrayim, which are the most suitable for Sipor Yitzhak Mitzrayim on the night of Pesach. The section in the Haggadah of Tzai Ulamad selects these four Psukim, and dissects them, and deconstructs them. It's a midrashic section. When Chazal authored the Haggadah, they dissected these psukim of Arami Ovid Avi, cross-referencing, or carefully cross-referencing, each phrase in these psukim in Kisavo, with parallel psukim about Yitzhak Mitzrayim, from Parshas Bao, from other sections in the Torah, and in some instances, psukim in Tanakh, which elaborate and amplify hidden themes of Yitzhak Mitzrayim located in these Psukim and Kisava. In many respects, the Tzayu Lamad section is the area or the section of the Haggadah which most carefully describes and delineates the various contours and components of the actual Yitzhak Mitzrayim. One could say that spending time on this section is more valuable, if limited in time, than the classic minhag of spending time on Manishtana and Avadim Hayinu and Karpas, and some of the stylistic introductions to Sipur Yitzhak Mitzrayim. Manishtana is raising questions, which hopefully will be answered or addressed, uh, discussing the five Rabbanim, Maisa, B'bnei Brak, Shoyim, Yisubim, B'bnei Brak, the five Tanayim who had their Seder, B'bnei Brak, doesn't really get to the heart of Sipur Yitzhak Mitzrayim, it's just a stylistic entree to remind ourselves of how much effort and energy was classically invested in Sipur Yitzhak Mitzrayim. Tzayel Ahmad is a frontal description of the descent, the first Pasuk of Arami Obed Avi describes the descent to Mitzrayim, Vayered Sham, the initiation of the Shibud, The third Pasuk describes our Tfilos, And the final Pasuk describes the actual Exodus. The final fourth pasuk of the Arami Ovid Avi section describes Yitzhak Mitzrayim and provides five aspects of the delivery, of the deliverance. 
Yad Chazaka, Zra Nitriya, Mara Gadol, Osalsev Mafsim. And Chazal fillet this Pasuk into five different notions of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. Five hidden aspects. Five aspects of the Yitzhiyah which are not blatant or overt in the description of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim in Parshas Bo, but which nonetheless are central themes and motifs of Chag Pesach and of Tesvav Nisa. The first phrase... Yad Chazaka, Chazal in the Haggadah associate with the plague of Dever. Biyad Chazaka, Zoha Dever. This association between the word Yad Chazaka in Parshas Kisava, and the plague of Dever, this linkage is based on a Pasuk in Ba, which describes the actual plague and employs the term Yad. In Shmos Perektes, Hine Yad Hashem, Hoyabi Miknecha Asher Basadeh, Basisim Bachamarim, Bagmalim Babakaru Vatson, Dever Kaved Miod. Dever Kaved Miod. So the word Yad in Parshas Bo is associated with the term Dever. So by extension, the term Yad Chazaka in Parshas Kisava refers to Dever. This begs the question of why Dever, amongst all the Makos, is featured so prominently in Parsha's bow. Yad Chazaka. There are ten Makos. What makes Dever unique? The question is even more is sharpened, is aggravated, so to speak, by an interesting Medrash. Medrash and Shvas Rabbah Parsha Yud, Rabbi Shua ben Levi Amar, Ko Maka Umaka Shahisabal HaMitzriyim B'Mitzrayim each of the ten plagues were accompanied by Dever as a subplot or a subplague. When the Arav attacked, animals continued to die. When the Shechin broke out, animals continued to die through Dever. Barad, animals continued to die. So evidently, Dever was not just one of the ten plagues, but featured prominently in the overall drama of the Yasser Makos. This medrash is alluded to in the Haggadah, Biyad Chazaka Zuhadever. What about Dever granted it such a strategic or pivotal role in the overall drama of the Yasser Makos? On the one hand, the very death of animals, highlighted the Eser Makos, not just as an assault on Paro and his culture, but on Mitzrayim and its deity. Egyptians worshipped animals. The exodus and the ten plagues was not merely an extrication or liberation of the Jewish people. It was, in addition, an attack on Egyptian paganism, ultimately, the animals would not just die passively through some, fam- through some pestilence or through some microbial attack, but the Jewish people would actively slaughter those gods. But this was an early installment of that message that the gods which Egyptians had worshipped were futile and powerless 
to defend themselves against God's might. But it seems as if Dever is more than just an attack on the specific deity which the Egyptians worshipped. Part of the Eser Makos and part of the drama of Itzias Mitzrayim was not merely to debunk the particular Egyptian pagan interest in animals, but in a larger sense to introduce monotheism to the world's scene. Avram had already introduced. Avram had succeeded in spreading the gospel of monotheism. The locals in Hebron and on the coast, Avi Melech, Melech Plishtim, had begun to appreciate to the north, Lavan and his crew had witnessed HaKadosh Baruch Hu's presence primarily in Yaakov's 20-year-plus sojourn in Aram Naharayim. But Egypt was unmoved and unstirred by the notion of a God you couldn't see. When Moshe and Aaron first present their credentials to Paro in Parsha Shmos, Paro rebuffs them by saying, Mi Hashem Asher Bekolo. Who is this God you speak of that you can't see? Our gods are physical, gods of the Nile, reptile gods, sun gods. We live in a world in which God's presence can be detected in the magic of physical material. And the ten plagues were an attempt to debunk this myth. Of all the makos, dever, and of course makos becharos, which I will relate to in a moment in Mirza Shem, dever is the only plague which is completely indiscernible, completely impalpable. You cannot see it. It is utterly invisible. Each and every Makkah had some visibility factor, whether it was the water turning into blood, the frogs attacking the lice, the, the wild animals, even the choshech, even the darkness. Chazal are very careful to remind us that somehow this was a palpable, discernible darkness. The animals died and the microbial agents responsible for their death remain undetected to the naked and ancient eye. HaKadosh Baruch Hu was in the process of convincing Egyptians, and through the Egyptians, the entire world, because Egypt was a cultural and intellectual cradle of ancient civilization, convincing ancient man that God has no physical Nature, God has no physical properties. He cannot be seen. He is totally invisible. This was the first lesson in monotheism. Monotheism's first precept is that God is not physical. God is transcendent and invisible. Endeavor was the first moment that this lesson was introduced. And it accompanied all the plagues because... It was a subplot or a sub-message to the plagues that you cannot see God. This is precisely why Dever is referred to as Yad Hashem. It's almost taunting the Egyptians. God's hand is invisible. You can't see this is God's hand. You believe that God has a physical human hand? God's hand is invisible and it will be highlighted or showcased by a plague which is indiscernible. The truth is, this notion of an invisible or indiscernible God was already introduced in the plague immediately before Dever, in Kenim. Kenim is not invisible, but it's harder to see. It's small. It's, it's microscopic. And the magicians of Paro, these paganistic magicians, attempted to reproduce Kenim 
as they had Dam and Svardaya, but they were unable to because of the size, because Kinim was veering outside of the physical realm to the microscopic realm. As Rashi says in Shemos Paraches, Lo Yachlu, they couldn't reproduce Kinim. Shein Hashed, Sholet, Alberia, Pchusa Michisa Their spirits and magic could not impact elements smaller in size than a seed because their magic was rooted in the world of material and concrete items and could not impact invisibility. And the Khartoumim themselves, the magicians and sorcerers themselves, refer to Kinim as Etzbaelokimhi, themselves affirming that God's finger was invisible, and beginning to learn the lesson that God doesn't really have fingers and hands. His fingers and hands cannot be attributed to anything material. And in transitioning from Kinim to Dever, the etzba of God becomes a hand of God, and Egypt fully realizes, or fully begins to realize, that God does not have any physical nature. Kinim and Dever were the first exposures to this notion, and the final resounding confirmation that God has no physical presence, of course, occurred in Makas Bukharas. There is a Pasuk, the final Pasuk in the Torah, which in many ways runs parallel to this final Pasuk in the section of Rami Ovid Avi. The final Pasuk in the Torah, of course, in Dvar, in the end of Parak Lamedal, Pasuk Yud Beis, Ulechal Hayat HaChazaka, Ulechal HaMara HaGadol HaShahasa Moshe Leine Kol Yisrael. The phrase Ulechal Hayat HaChazaka, Yat HaChazaka repeats itself in Vizal Sabracha. But whereas Chazal interpret the phrase Yad HaChazaka in Parshas Kisavo as a reference to Dever, the phrase Yad HaChazaka in Vizos Habracha is interpreted by the Sifri as a reference to Makas Becharos, the final demonstration of the non-physicality of God, the final invisible plague, Makas Becharos. Initially, animals died in Makas Becharos, humans died, but it was equally invisible and indiscernible. In each case, God was instructing Egypt that his Yad HaChazaka is not physical. So the importance of Dever, the message of Dever, and the association between Dever and Yad HaChazaka is not just an assault on the particular deification of animals, but on the overall paganistic notion of a material and physical God being replaced by a monotheistic definition of an invisible and transcendent God. The second phrase in this Pasuk, in Parshas Kisava, which Chazal amplify, is the phrase, Zra'a Nitriya, an outstretched arm. The Haggadah interprets Zra'a Nitriya as Zohacherev. This is a sword. The association between the phrase Zra'a Nitriya and Cherev stems from a Pasuk in Divra Hayamim, describing the siege of Yerushalayim in the days of David, Zohacherev, Kimashin Emar, God only quotes the final phrase. It's in Divrayam Aleph Perakhaf Aleph Pasak Tazayan. They witness an angelic sword being stretched towards Yerushalayim, and they interpret this as a symbol of the siege of Yerushalayim. The sword is outstretched, the arm is taut. This is interpreted again as the start of a siege. So just like in Divrayamim refers to a siege, 
Zranitruyan Kisava refers to the siege of a sword. Cherev. Where exactly do we read about this Cherev in Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim? It doesn't appear in Bauer, it doesn't appear. What possibly could Haggadah be referring to? Does the Pasuk in Kisava refer to when it refers to a Cherev, a sword? So two options spring to mind. One option may be based on a Medrash Tanchuma. The Medrash Tanchuma likens the ten plagues, or many different ways of classifying and cataloging the ten plagues. But the Medrash Tanchuma in Parshas Bo likens the ten plagues, Simon Dalid, to a military assault, to a king laying siege to a city. What does a king first do? The Lushan of the Medrash is Bitachsis Basar Vadam, Hevia Kadesh Baruch Mesamakos. A military game plan, similar to any military campaign. First, when you lay siege to a city, you cut off the water source. After you cut off the water source, you make loud sounds to scare and frighten. After you make loud sounds, you shoot some arrows in, again, to frighten the people, to kill off. You're not going to capture a city through arrows, but it's a terror tactic to create panic, to sow panic. After the swords, you send some ferocious insurgents to again plunder and rampage and further dispirit the besieged people. You pour some hot oil. You throw some large fiery boulders. You catapult fiery boulders. And then finally, you send in your full army after you've reduced the spirit and the garrisons of the besieged city. Similarly, HaKadosh Baruch Hu cut off the water source of the Egyptians. The frogs were not just a nuisance, but their croaking sounds terrified the Egyptians. The Medrash compares Kenan to arrows because it pierces skin, a very loose comparison. The Arov are these rampaging, um, ferocious animals. Ultimately, one can imagine the casualty of the Arov was not as high as the panic and terror which wild animals spread. Hot oil is likened to boils, shrin, flaming boulders is likened to barad, and finally God's complete army, the Arba, the locusts, invade Egypt. Ten plagues, among their other symbolism, symbolize the launching of a war. Now, why is this important? In a few weeks' time, this band of slaves would have to wage war with the 30 kings of Canaan. Originally, they were expected to enter the land a few weeks after Harsinai. It's very difficult to transform a nation of slaves into a regular military outfit. Of course, we have the X factor. The X factor is that Hashem will wage wars for us. But will we see Hashem as a warrior? We know He's our Creator. We know that He's our Father in Heaven. He's our Redeemer. We remember Him as the Father of our, as the uh, God of our fathers. Ehiyah, Asher, But can we really visualize Him as a warrior, as a general, so that we'll be confident and enter these wars with that confidence that Hakadosh Baruch Hu is behind our efforts? Ultimately, we see HaKadosh Baruch Hu as a warrior at the Amsaf, when Am Yisrael, in its praise, exclaims, Hashem Ishmil Chama, Hashem Shema. We have seen HaKadosh Baruch Hu wage war against the Egyptians. But can we appreciate that even at this stage? It's not an easy task. HaKadosh Baruch Hu was reluctant even to take the Jews past the Plishtim in the beginning of B'Shalach, because he realized they were not yet war-primed. So part of Yitzhak Mitzrayim is not just to deliver the Jews, but to prime them to wage war. 
Ten plagues are the start of that process, of that prepping. They witnessed God, and they saw his plagues, and they thought this is war. They were then prepared, or they started to be prepared, for visualizing HaKadosh Baruch Hu as a warrior. So when we're reciting the Haggadah, Zra Netuya, we're reminding ourselves that the ten plagues were structured as an attack upon the Egyptian blockade. And having seen and witnessed the overwhelming success of this attack, we hopefully have the confidence to launch similar attacks in the land of Eretz Yisrael. There is perhaps a second element to Cherev, and this is one which many Rishonim, I believe the Ritva, strikes, or certainly some of the other Rishonim in the Haggadah. That night of Yitzhak Mitzrayim, the 15th of Nisan, witnessed two tragedies, two disasters or catastrophes from the Egyptian standpoint. The death of the firstborn, but before the firstborns were murdered, they themselves launched an insurrection, which took 60,000 Egyptian lives. Hearing Moshe's threat about their pending death, the firstborns mobbed Pyro's palace, demanding that the Jewish slaves be released, for all of Moshe's promises had already rung true, and there was little reason to doubt that this next threat would be fulfilled, would be realized. Their pleas were their pleas went unanswered. Pyro himself was so psychopathic that he himself was a Bukhar and he's willing to endanger his firstborn just to kill the Jews, to murder and to subjugate the Jews. And witnessing the uh, the disinterest in their petition, the firstborns of Egypt launched a civil war and 60,000 Egyptians were killed. I don't know the statistics, but one can claim that more Egyptians died the night of the 15th during this civil war than were murdered in Makas Bukharas. Were there really 60,000 Bukharas in Egypt? It seems as if there were really two events on the night of the 15th. There was a political uprising in Egypt, seemingly unrelated to HaKadosh Baruch Hu's intervention, that was followed by the divine intervention of Makas Bukharas. The answer, of course, is that each of these events were part of Makas Bukharas. Sometimes God intervenes in nature and in science and history and in psychology. Sometimes God intervenes in local politics. This uprising was every, was every much driven by Kodesh Baruch Hu's hand as Makas Bukharas was. This association between the two, that Makas Bukharas was really a composite, is struck by Chazal's drasha of a very interesting verse in Tehillim Kuflam Edvav, Halel Hagadol, which we actually recite on the night of Pesach, Lemake Mitzrayim Bivchorehem Kili Olam Chazdo. Pesach doesn't write Lemake Bukharos Mitzrayim, Lemake Mitzrayim Bivchorehem, through their firstborns. Egypt was assaulted through. The firstborns were not just the victims, they were ultimately the divine instruments of Makas Bukharos, and then subsequently the victims. First they waged their war. 60,000 Egyptians were murdered at the sword of their brothers, of their firstborns, and then those firstborn warriors were themselves murdered. These were each part of God's master plan for this night, to reduce Egypt into shambles, to completely dismantle Egyptian society. When we recite we are remembering the war in Egypt which broke out. 
a war which very much had divine fingerprints. So these are two options for the phrase the third phrase in this Pasuk is the phrase of Miragadol, Chazal interpret, Nagada interprets, is a reference to the Giloi Shechina of this night. Uvimaragadol, Zu Giloi Shechina. Kimashinemar. Ohanisa Elokim, Lavao, Lakachas, Logai, Mikarev Goy, Bimasos, Biosos, Uvimovsim. Again, a Pasuk, this time taken from Devarim Perak Dalid, which very, very closely parallels the Pasuk in Kisava. Has God ever attempted to retrieve, to extract one nation from another? Bimasos, Biosos, Uvimovsim, Uvimil Chama, Uviyad Chazaka, Uvizra Nituya. Uvimaraim Gedolim, those three phrases, as well as also Sumovsim, Yad Chazaka, Zranitriya, Maraim Gedolim, Kachal Asher Asalachem, Hashem Lokichem, Bimitzrayim, Li Enecha. This Pasuk in Devarim adds or elaborates that all of this occurred Li Enecha in your plain sight. According to the Haggadah, the Pasuk in Kisavo, based on the elaboration of the Pasuk in Vyashanan, reminds us that Mitzrayim was not just ten plagues directed at the Egyptians, was not just the technical emancipation of the Jewish slaves, but was the first moment of national revelation, li'enecha, of The first moment that HaKadosh Baruch Hu appeared to the Jewish nation. Hashem had appeared to individuals, the first Gilo Shechina was directed at Avraham Avinu. Beforehand, God had promised man, had sworn to man, had punished man, had spoken to man, but had never revealed himself to man. And this was the first Gilo Shechina to an entire nation, because this was ultimately the birth of a nation. What's so stunning about this interpretation of the Haggadah, based on the Pasuk in Devarim Parak Dalet in Veschanan, is that this is the location that you would least think would serve as the context for that first epiphany. Mitzrayim? This isn't Yushalayim, this isn't the Beis HaMikdash, this isn't the Mishkan, this isn't Har Sinai. This isn't even Yamsuf. Throughout Parshas Vayera and Bo, we witness that when Moshe Rabbeinu Davin Sakharish Baruch Hu, Sa'ir, he has to leave the city. The city is impure. Paganism, death, Tumah, magic, this is not a setting for the divine encounter. And yet the night of Pesach, Tes Vav Nisan, the cesspool of Egypt, which had become a cemetery, Ki Ein Bayis Asher Ein Sham Meis, hosts the first Giloi Shechina. Vumaragadol Zu Giloi Shechina. In Shmuel Aleph, Parak Beis, Pesach of Zion, the Isha Elokim tells Eli, Koamar Hashem, Haniglo Niglesi al Beis Avicha, Biyosam, Biyeretz Mitzrayim le Beis Paro, Biyosam Mitzrayim le Beis Paro, Haniglo Niglesi actually employs the term of Niglo Niglesi, the term of Gilo Shechina in Mitzrayim, in the Beis Paro. This is precisely the point. HaKadosh Baruch Hu's willingness to descend into Egypt and appear to the Jewish people is the most <coughs> resonant affirmation of his love for Am Yisrael, a love which is budding and flowering into the elegy of Shir Hashirim on this night of Tesvav Nisa. 
as the Medrash comments, a very well-known Medrash. Amar Rabbi Shimon, Gidola chibasen shel Yisrael, shenigla hakadosh baruch hu b'makom avodas kachavim, uv'makom tinofes, uv'makom tuma b'shvil legalim. Hashem loves the Jewish people so deeply and loved them that night that He was even willing to break the rules, so to speak, to appear to them, to reveal Himself in the land of impurity, in the land of death. The parable offered by this Medrash in Shmos Rabbah, Parasha, Tesvav, the Kohen whose truma rolls into a cemetery and the Kohen faces the dilemma, the predicament. How can he enter the cemetery? He'll impurify himself, but how could he abandon his truma? and not retrieve it, and ultimately he chooses his own impurification for the sake of his truma. It's a beautiful medrash attesting to the almost selfless love HaKadosh Baruch Hu feels for Am Yisrael. Gidol HaChibasen Shel Yisrael. Hashem loves us and loved us so deeply that he's even willing to reveal himself in the cesspool and the carnage of Mitzrayim. So the context of this night is not just a context of penalty, of punishment, of liberation, of warfare, but of Gilei Shechina. And the consequences of viewing the night of Pesach as an evening of Gilei Shechina, those consequences, Mirz Hashem, will be discussed in the beginning of the second installment of this year.